Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. This is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm your host, Ken Napsok, for another edition of Spotlight Star Wars. Here we are on a pre-Rogue One, pre-Episode 8 era, and news is building for Episode 8. The excitement is building. Set leak photos. Casting news last week with the Laura Dern, Benicio Del Toro casting things we talked about on Force Center this week. 
with Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa. Hope you check that out. And uh, rumors starting to circulate of when we may or may not get our first look at Rogue One, our first official look at Rogue One. A uh, new story I was reading this week was interesting. Uh, the Force Awakens... Uh, Suffered some set leak photo issues, as we all know, drones and stuff like that. So they're looking for eight to really ramp it up. And it has been ramped up with 24-hour security, uh, 600 people working, um, anti-drone security measures. They're trying really hard to keep uh, keep the stuff away from us, which I appreciate. And I know a lot of you out there are non-spoiler people like myself, uh, but some things slip out. And you know what? I did see the the set photos from, uh, was it Dubrovnik, uh, where they uh, had some uh, doorways, uh, you know, fixed up to look uh, like uh, like they belonged in the Star Wars galaxy. And I looked at them uh, willingly. They weren't uh, by accident. I clicked on the link. Oh my gosh, I must be slipping in my old age. I did not do this um, much for Episode 7. Early on, though, if I recall, I did do this a little bit for Episode 7. I clicked on some stories early on and then stopped. Nothing that took away from my experience from the film. Uh, And I, in fact, I'm, I'm grateful to myself for once mark that down therapist uh that i didn't uh continue to spoil episode seven for myself i had a, a pretty pure experience upon seeing it for the first time i hope to do that for eight but there i am clicking on the story uh, and i want to really describe the pictures of you yourself don't want to see them but uh they're simple it's a little thing it's nothing that uh you know you look at it and go yeah okay that that figures that looks like it would belong in the uh in the galaxy and it looks good I'm excited. I am surprised we're not getting more about Rogue One during the primary uh, principal photography phase. We did have some shots leaked about, uh, you know, classic-looking stormtroopers again. And then we get the stuff about Vader and all that kind of stuff. But we haven't had a lot. I still don't know much about Rogue One. And I'm not avoiding it as much as I was avoiding the news for Episode 7 going into the viewing of 7. Uh, I think they've done a good job at keeping Rogue One under wraps, and that just makes my excitement more. The news that there might be that trailer coming soon gets me giddy. Giddy as a schoolboy, as a lot of Star Wars things do. Uh, Aren't you excited for Rogue One? There's so much we just don't know. Not just about story leaks, but there's just we don't know what to expect here. Uh, It could be anything, and if Vader's involved... Tarkin on any level, we're almost going to get, uh, kind of going to get a Star Wars prequel again. And maybe one that the more people can digest with, with less heartburn and less guilt. I talked last week here on Spotlight Star Wars about uh, the things that first hooked me. And for me, it was stuff from Return of the Jedi, because that was my first real experience with the Star Wars universe. I did see it in the Volkswagen van at one, uh, New Hope, but uh, I have no memory of that. So I talked about how Jedi, uh, early on, was the thing that hooked me in the individual moments. And I put it out to you guys there, and I knew... I knew that there would be a lot of you who would readily admit it, and some maybe would have to look yourself in the mirror and face the fact that your first real Star Wars experiences and the things that kind of hooked you as a Star Wars fan might actually have come from those dreaded prequels. Um, And you know what? 
some of you answered, some of you stepped forward, and a lot of you had good, good experiences and answers related to your first experiences, the things that hooked you in Star Wars from the prequels. And I wanted to go over them because I think they're good. Uh, these people, of course, uh, following me on Twitter at Ken Napsuck and the show at Force Center Pod or, or the podcast feed, I should say. And they use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. And that's how we have this conversation. Uh, some, week, uh, some weeks I like to base uh, Spotlight Star Wars entirely on your hashtags. And pretty much that's what we're doing this week because I think the response was great. So to go back... First of all, Ryan Wren at Falcon Gunner 33, uh, my friend Ryan there. Uh, hey, Ryan says, uh, this is all I could think of when you were talking about mashed potatoes in Star Wars. And he, and he put a picture of a uh, Darth, uh, well, not a Darth Mash, uh, which is a, a character they have for uh, a potato head Darth Maul. This is a potato head Kylo Ren. Thanks, Ryan, for those that missed that. I, I somehow got off on a tangent uh, making Star Wars seem like it's mashed potatoes. And either you really love mashed potatoes or you're okay with them. There's no in-between. Um, uh, sometimes that's where the show goes. We, we go into areas that you wouldn't think the Star Wars universe would go. Last week it was mashed potatoes. Other people checking in. This is where we're going. The meat of the show. Here we go. The things that hooked you. Uh, not the prequels, actually. Jeff uh, Wasson at Jeff M. Wasson. He said, uh, seeing this piece of Ralph McQuarrie art in a magazine back in 1977 hooked me into Star Wars. And, uh, Jeff, I appreciate it. You're, you're, uh, you're an older generation fan like me. It sounds like you might be... Uh, couple years older, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and you were uh, had a you new hope was your first experience. But this picture that he, he put in the tweet here is uh, it's the, the the classic Macquarie drawing of uh, Luke basically with a kind of like a space mask on, fighting uh, Vader in roughly the form we came to know Vader as, but is now kind of the form that they base the Vader and Star Wars Rebels on, a little more closer to that, and uh, it is where they're, they're having the lightsaber fight, but really just looks like they're they're flashing, they got flashlights in their hands, and they're just kind of flashing flashlights everywhere. It's a classic photo, I'm sure you've all seen it, uh, it is uh, it's great, and I love that, man. Jeff, that, that, that harkens back to a time when the world did not know what was coming. Could you imagine... Can you imagine now living in a era where Star Wars wasn't a thing? It's impossible for me because it's been around since a year after my birth and was in development before my birth. So I can't imagine it. Most of you can't imagine it, but there's some fans out there, an older generation. Jeff appears to be one of those who who, who were there for the, the initial introduction when Star Wars walked through the door into the party of life. And I, I sometimes I envy that, man. I envy those that got to sit in the theater in May 1977 and see that Star Destroyer fly over for the first time. And Star Wars, uh, you know, it gets a lot of credit for its promotion, its toys, its tie-ins. A lot of that, I, I, a lot of that came from that they needed to get the message out for this movie that they felt, and the studio maybe felt, that no one would want to see. So they tried. They went outside the box, and it's great. You can you can read about it in How Star Wars Conquered the Universe, and you can read uh, see it in the Empire of Dreams documentary. They were Star Wars, was one of the first films to really reach outside the the normal promotional box to find ways to do it. Uh, these Macquarie paintings, which George pretty much uh, used to get the movie made. It was he needed these concept uh, images and, and art to to really kind of 
help show uh, what his vision was. And McQuarrie, I think, should, should and does correctly get a lot of credit for Star Wars happening. But uh, seeing, uh, seeing this photo that Jeff put out and talking about, hey, seeing this in a magazine is what hooked me. You know, they went to Comic-Con. Star Wars went to Comic-Con when it was, you know, 300 dudes in a room buying comics and trading comics. Like, hey, we got a film coming out. Magazine, the promotional book, which I've seen, actually, uh, my old school library had the promotional book for Star Wars, uh, what we now know as New Hope. And uh, they talk about that in a lot of uh, a lot of Star Wars documentaries and books uh, about the promotional book they put out, introducing people to uh, these characters. And I, I remember that book, and I had, of course, had seen it and checked it out many times at that school library, and was already familiar with the movie at that point. So it it, it uh, the initial purpose was lost on me for that book, but. Just the promotional, the groundswell of the growing Star Wars machine that uh, was starting there. And uh, what an interesting time. I, I, I envy those who got to experience it. So that's Jeff's first experience. Something that, you know, didn't even end up in the movie. Just a concept. But the image of what is this? A man in a cape. Some kind of younger hero. We know a villain. We know a villain when we see, when we see him, right? All black, robot mask, cape. They got some kind of laser swords. I can only imagine, back in 1977, what would have gone through young fans' minds not knowing what was coming. What a great time. Sully Richard at Sullivan Richard checks in at hashtag Spotlight Star Wars, and he says, quite plainly, he's not afraid to say it. What hooked me? 1999. Darth Maul switching its his double-bladed lightsaber on and Duel of the Fates playing. I was 10, Mr. Sully Richard says. Uh, you know what? And that's a great moment. And equal uh, across the board, all things equal, everyone will say, the prequels were bad, but, you know, that Darth Maul scene. And it is what it is. It is one of the best moments in the Star Wars universe. The music, Duel of the Fates, by far one of the best pieces in uh, in the Star Wars uh, universe, all movies. Uh, it's great. They did a great job. They knew what they had with that piece of music. They released a music video. They got you geeked up for that. I mean, this is why I think part of the reason Phantom Menace was a disappointment uh, at the time and, and sometimes still remains, obviously. But at the time, it was we were built up. A Duel of the Fates was was awesome. It just was an awesome piece of music. And yeah, from the trailer, seeing Darth Maul switch on that double-bladed lightsaber, mind blown. In the uh, uh, early spring, late winter of 1999. So, uh, Sully, I get it. That's a great moment. You can't take that away. No matter what you think of The Phantom Menace, the prequel trilogy, you have to admit, that was a cool moment. In fact... So cool was that moment, and so cool, because we like the we like the villains, we like the heels, right? So cool was Darth Maul at the time, and now I finally corrected an oversight in my Star Wars Black Series collection, and I just yesterday, as of this recording, received my Darth Maul Black Series figure. Finally, finally, I had had a chance to purchase it for ten bucks when it was on the shelves, hot and new. A couple years ago, and I didn't. I, I actually wasn't collecting the Black Series at the time. Believe it or not, if you saw my room now, you wouldn't believe it. But there was a couple times, uh, a couple years ago, where I'd walk into my uh, little memorabilia shop that I hung out in and saw, it and went, "Hey, cool, 
Cool Star Wars figures. I don't, I don't have any room for it. I'm okay. And uh, now I regret that decision because I had to pay a good price for this Darth Maul shipped over from China, a collector in China. Uh, good condition. Box is a little, little crushed, but that's okay. I'm not a perfect uh, mint condition collector, but I got a Darth Maul. So, like Sully, Darth Maul clearly had an effect on me. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Another earliest memory, uh, things that hooked you. As a young Star Wars fan, our friend Trevor Timmis checks in, and he says, uh, my earliest memory of Star Wars is playing with my first figures, Hammerhead and Power Droid, which is uh, a.k.a. the Gonk Droid. Wow. 
Trevor, let's talk about the fact that your first Star Wars figures were Hammerhead and Gonk Droid, the power droid. Gonk. 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 Um, wow. I mean, I didn't grow up spoiled. Parents were lower middle class. They did what they could to get by. Thankful for the Star Wars toys I had. And I had, like, Rebel Soldier Hoth. I had Bespin Security Guard, the Asian guy. And I think I had the black one, too. Star Wars diversity on Bespin was very clear. I think I had those figures. Did not have Imperial Dignitary. Wish I did now. Uh, I think I had uh, I think I had an Ugnaught. Weequay for sure. IG-88. But those are some of the ones I had. And other friends of mine had the, the Lukes, the Leias, the Hans. I had Hoth and Han gear. I was proud of that. Uh, but I was also proud of my Death Star Gunner. And my uh, uh, Adat Commander, which uh, should have been named General Veers, but wasn't. Uh, so, Trevor, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm very happy for you that you have positive memories. And some of your early Star Wars I'm Hooked moments are with Hammerhead and Power Droid. I don't feel sorry for you. You shouldn't feel sorry for yourself. You're clearly celebrating it. But it's also kind of funny that those are the first two figures you had. And that your positive memories, your first big memories, come from Hammerhead and Gonk droids. It's awesome. But that's all a kid needs sometimes, you know? I'm sure there's a kid out there now. He's probably seven or eight, and he has some Force Awakens toys in his hand, and he's got, like, Resistance Soldier and Constable Zuvio. And he can't understand why Constable Zuvio is not in the film. And there's going to be some deleted scenes on that Blu-ray and DVD. I'm reading the story. Not much, it seems. Seven or eight scenes are available, but we're, we're going to get some, it seems, on the DVD. Maybe Constable Zuvia will make an appearance. And that kid, whoever is out there, seven or eight right now, playing with his Force Awakens toys, going, Why do my friends have Ray, Finn, and Poe, and I have Constable Zuvio? I don't know. Trevor, thanks. Great memory. Our friend Jessica Beardsley checks in at Jess R. Beardsley. Uh, episode one, she says. Episode one was my first experience with Star Wars. I was nine. I was hooked. And Queen Amidala was my girl, and I love her to this day. And you know what? One of my favorite shots in all of Star Wars is that shot from the trailer. And then it's in the movie as well. Camera. Panning in, moving in, pushing in on Amidala. She sits out at the staring out of the window, and she's got the big dress with the the uh, glowing lights at the bottom of the dress. When you saw that in the trailer, you thought, "Wow, we are we are deep into the Star Wars galaxy with some new exciting things." It looked awesome, looked great. And in the movie itself, even though by then I knew Phantom Menace maybe wasn't what I wanted it to be, especially at the time. That shot still rang out to me as one of the best shots. So, yeah, as a young girl, nine years old in the theater, watching Star Wars for the first time, we talk about strong female characters now and the need for more and how Rey is uh, is filling a, a big void and, and doing uh, that character is great. I don't think you can overlook Amidala, especially in Phantom Menace. She took action, man. 
She was running around. She was in, in charge. She was standing up against the Trade Federation. She had her blaster. Whether or not Natalie Portman knew how to really hold the blaster the right way, clearly she didn't in all movies. But uh, Amidala, Padme, I think at the time, one of the key characters and, and, and important in the Star Wars universe because of that. Because it might have helped inspire young female fans like Jessica to get into it. To get into Star Wars and look, hey, there, there's a queen. There's a leader. She is mixing it up with the boys. And in 99, that was, uh, that was important. It's important now, but in 99, definitely important. So I think in Amidala and Phantom Menace, I think those are great moments and great experiences, Jessica. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Timothy Snell. I got the great Twitter handle, Tim on Tatooine. He loves the prequels. He says he loved them then, still proudly loves them now, even more than the original trilogy gasp, Timothy. But you know what? That's what I love about the Star Wars universe. Timothy is entitled to that opinion because that is what he feels, and I do not take that away from him. That's a bold statement, Timothy, but it's your statement, and we stand by it. He says there's no shame in loving all six of the films. George Lucas gave us six, quote, spectacular movies. Well, certainly that could be debated, and I might even start with Jedi, but I love those movies, and that's why the prequels have grown into my heart. Someone asked me on Facebook recently, or maybe it was Twitter, I don't know, Instagram, they sent me a mail message in the mail. I don't know. Someone asked me, you know, why, why Ken, as, as your uh, appreciation of the prequels changed? And it has. When I started Jedi Alliance, I was one of the let's make fun of the prequels guys. But then I slowly learned there's a lot of people out there that don't share that opinion. And I cannot create a environment along with Mon Garrett on Jedi Alliance in which we want to celebrate Star Wars. Uh, we can't create that environment and try to invite everybody in. And then say, by the way, if you like the prequels, you're an idiot. It's just not the way to do it. It's not the way to have a uh, to run a fandom, to to live and in, in, in experience a fandom. It's not a way to do it. So that started to change. And then I met Joseph Scrimshaw at Kamikaze a couple years ago, and we started becoming friends. And he uh, he proudly defends the prequels, fully aware, as he said many times on Force Center and other shows. Hey, I know they're not great movies by any technical sense of the word, but there's things to enjoy. And as Star Wars fans, it is it expands our universe quite well. A lot of people criticize Force Awakens for seeming and not. I'm not even talking about the Episode Four storyline retread angle. Some people just say, "Hey, it didn't expand the galaxy as much as we'd like." Couple new planets, but you know, not so much. Uh, you know, there were similar planets to things we've seen before. Lucas expanded his own galaxy in a grand fashion in the prequels: Camino, Genosis, Naboo. These are these are great. Additions to the Star Wars universe. I was talking to uh, the head of uh, development over at Screen Junkies, Jack, and uh, he. Uh, we were looking at some of the set photos from Eight, uh, and there was uh, some stuff that made us think that maybe they're going to Naboo. This is just pure speculation. Maybe even a little hope, but we both were kind of on the same page of Episode Eight takes any kind of uh, trip to Naboo that might be interesting. It might be cool. It's there. It's in the galaxy. It, it, Naboo shows up in other uh, Star Wars properties now, the comics. Uh, and it's good. I love when Leia goes back to Naboo. 
in the Marvel uh, comic series, uh, the Leia series, uh, it's interesting. And she has uh, kind of a weird uh, interaction with Amidala in a weird way. Uh, uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, and it's good. So, sidetracked a little bit. But, Timothy, I am glad you are proud of your love of the prequels. And he shares his first slash fondest Star Wars memory of so many. But he says his first is Yoda drawing his lightsaber in Attack of the Clones. My brother and I were in fits. The whole theater was. And I think I've talked about it on the show, so I don't want to retread it too much. But all the people who want to uh, throw nothing but blind hatred at the prequels, and that is your right just as well as it is uh, the right of someone like Timothy to love the prequels. That's fine. But all the people, you forget some of the the moments, man. You forget the tears of joy streaming down my face at the beginning of Phantom Menace. Those tears weren't of joy in a short while. Uh, I, I will not lie and say Phantom Menace didn't disappoint me in during my first theater experience. I, I can't turn away from that, uh, despite growing to appreciate the prequels more. But you cannot turn away from this moment that Timothy's talking about here, which is Yoda, Dooku, Lightsabers, flipping Yoda, flipping around, rawr, screaming. That's how Yoda sounds rawr, when he fights. He, that moment was near standing O on my first viewing in the theater I saw. Packed house. And when Dooku uh, has kind of got Anakin defeated, it looks dark, and you see that shadow coming around the corner, and it's a tall, big, for bo- oh, it's Yoda. The theater I was in popped. They popped bigger than any WrestleMania moment I've been a witness to. It was amazing, the crowd response. The lightsaber fight happens. He's flipping. He's flopping all over the place. Yeah, you know what? Dooku was too old. You had to stand in. I can understand some of the uh, people like, ah, is that what we got from Yoda's flip-flopping around? Maybe not the best thing. But you know what? How else would Yoda have fought? It was fun, and when it ended... And Yoda picks up his cane and kind of hobbles again. The theater exploded again in applause. And the second time I saw it, the same thing happened. So you can change your view, and you're certainly entitled to look back and give things more critical of an eye. But you can't take away that moment. And Timothy, that's a great moment. I'm glad you brought it up. You and your brother were right, because that was was a pop-worthy moment. And Attack of the Clones. And Attack of the Clones, in a way, might be the worst of the prequel movies, and we can get into that. Uh, um, it has its problems. But that's a great moment. Is it a little cheesy? Yes. Yes, it's a little cheesy. Absolutely it is cheesy. But this is a space saga, a space opera. If you don't need, If you're not expecting a little cheese in your Star Wars movies, you haven't been watching. You just haven't been watching. The movie with the least amount of cheese, I don't know, might be Empire. But then again, I don't know. It's got some comedy in it. New Hope, does it have cheese? Absolutely. Have you seen those sidebars? They're of their time. It's okay. Star Wars could have a place for a little bit of cheese. And Yoda and Dooku flip-flopping around. That's some great cheese. Great memory. Thank you for sharing, Timothy. 
Some general questions. Uh, let's move on to some general questions. Uh, and, and, and by all means, continue this. If you're out there listening and you want to you join this conversation, hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. And share your first favorite, fondest Star Wars memory. The first things that hooked you as fans. You're going to get older, things are going to change. Jedi hooked me, but later on, Jedi wasn't my favorite. Empire was. And I still... I. Probably rank Force Awakens still ahead of Jedi right now, though Jedi has some amazing things. The Empire, uh, the Emperor sequence, as I've explained, that whole sequence some of my favorite in Star Wars. Uh, people get insulted when I want to put Force Awakens above Jedi. Don't. I love them all. But Force Awakens just has some things, some themes in it that, I, that I'd like more than the uh, kind of un- unadulterated happiness Jedi has at the end. Uh, but if you have the, your first memories, I still want to hear them. Let's keep this going. Spotlight Star Wars. Hashtag Spotlight Star Wars and tell me your favorite memories. Two general questions and we'll wrap up here. It's another edition of Spotlight Star Wars on the Force Center podcast feed. Thanks for those who subscribe and are uh, here for the adventure. Ricardo Rodriguez at the Richie Boy 94 says, Ken Absock, Spotlight Star Wars. What if scenario? He asks, what Star Wars alien race would you pick as your partner to complete a mission with? That's a good question. Hmm. Hmm. I gotta say, this makes me seem old school, Ricardo. This makes me seem like a very old school Star Wars fan, but what alien race would you pick as your partner to complete a mission with? I'm going Wookiee. I'm going Wookiee. Chewbacca? I mean, that's your best bud, man. You got strength. You got technical skills, you got fighting skills, you got the just the right amount of anger to get the job done, but he's loyal. Loyal, not to a fault. Now that's just Chewbacca, so we don't know the other Wookiees. Maybe Chewbacca's the best of the best. But I think you're going to get that across the board with Wookiees. Some might underestimate him. Yeah, they got the size and strength, but you might underestimate them. Big, hairy, walking carpets. Uh, if you know Wookiees, you know that's wrong. I think I'm going with uh, I think I'm going with Wookiees, Ricardo. What's yours, Ricardo? Let me know. Respond. Let me know. Respond. Hashtag Spotlight Star Wars at Knapsack at 4CenterPod. It's a good question. And if you're out there, and if any of you out there listening, you want to answer, hashtag me. I sound like I'm some social media marketing major. Sometimes it disgusts me, but it's fun, right? We're having fun here. Final question for our our friends over at Imperial Podcasting, Patrick Marvin and the team there at uh, at Imperial Pod Spotlight Star Wars. He asks, to that hashtag, would you want a new bounty hunter introduced in 8 like there was in 5 and 2, referencing Boba Fett and Django specifically, though 5 did give us several other bounty hunters, and if so, would you want them to be a Fett? Not necessarily Mandalorian. I'm taking that question to mean a Fett related to Boba Fett and Jenga. First part of the question, do I want a new bounty hunter introduced in 8? No. I wouldn't be upset if, uh, if there was. But going to the criticism of Force Awakens not expanding the galaxy as maybe as much as some might have wanted. I actually think that's a legit gripe, not a giant gripe with the Force Awakens. I still clearly love it, but I I can kind of get behind the idea of, hey, we've seen a lot of these things before. The galaxy is big. Give us something else. 
So, so shall it be with bounty hunters and me. I love bounty hunters, all right? Boba Fett, I get it. IG-88, Forlom, Zuckus, Dengar. Bounty hunters are very key to the Star Wars universe. Uh, Aura Singh, Aurora Singh, Aurora Singh. Why am I blanking? Um, Aura Singh and uh, Cad Bane. Great addition to the Star Wars galaxy from Clone Wars. Uh, I, I get behind all those characters. Totally fine with them. Bounty hunters are there. They're here. Uh, I want uh, that thirteen thirteen game or show. I want something related to the scum and villainy of the galaxy. And bounty hunters are a large part of that. But I don't think we need it anymore. I don't necessarily know if I'd want a new one. Uh, I don't think. I don't think it would fit into the story. A bounty hunter. What what purpose would they be in eight? To f- search out and find Luke. We've kind of already done that. Yeah, there's other people probably still looking for Luke. But Ray found him. Ray got there. They got the map. She's there. So I don't know what purpose it would serve. And I think there's too many other things going on with uh, with the uh, with the resistance in the first order for a bounty hunter to be needed. Um, then uh, you know, to answer, let's say one does show up. Would I want them to be a fat? Same thing. No. I don't think we need uh, um, Junior Fett. We got Jenga. We got Boba. We're probably going to get a Boba Fett standalone movie at some point, like we discussed on Force Center this past week. And that doesn't elicit a lot of uh, excitement in the Star Wars Galaxy uh, fandom right now. Um, So, no. Cut the Fett line. If a new bounty hunter shows up in any kind of key capacity in Episode Eight, I I don't need them to be a Fett. We have the Skywalkers solos. We have the we have the familiar characters and territories and lands and uh, sand planets and snow planets. We got all that. There's only so much you can do with them. So if there's is a bounty hunter, make them uh, make them outside the Fett clan and uh, make them outside the Mandalorian clans as well. But great question, Patrick. Great question. That is Spotlight Star Wars for this week. I hope you enjoy my monologue from me to you in the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, we are uh, having fun here in the Force Center podcast feed. We had the Force Center episode this past week with Jennifer Joseph and I. This week, coming up, if you're listening, uh, uh, over the weekend, coming up this Tuesday, uh, we have a new edition of Databank Brawl. Me, Joseph, and Jennifer have a very fun episode. That is a great show. Joseph's show on our network. Check it out, and if you're listening just at any general time and you're new to the Force Center podcast feed, go check it out, man. A lot of different shows on here. We have got some uh, stuff uh, in the banks that you'll enjoy, and Databank Brawl is, uh, is legitimately one of my favorite Star Wars shows of all time. I love that Joseph allows me to be on that show. Uh, we got more of those coming on. Jennifer Landa's Jedi Beat number three is in the works. It's close. Uh, a lot of things. So we appreciate your support. Follow us at Force Center Pod. You can follow me at Ken Knapsack. Hashtag Spotlight Star Wars to join the conversation. We are on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. Podomatic. And yes, we are now on Stitcher for those who need to listen outside the iTunes empire. So until next time, I'm Ken Knapsack. May that force thing kind of sort of always remain around you.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.